So we've been making comments for five years now. That's over 100 episodes and counting. And our plan? Well, it's to keep making more seasons, even more episodes. And when I say we, I don't just mean the Commons team. I'm including you, our listeners and supporters. We can't make this show without you. We can't keep bringing you exceptional reporting every week without your support. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to become a Canadaland supporter. So from now until the end of May, we have a special deal for our listeners. Sign up now for just $2 a month for the next six months. You'll get access to all the episodes of Commons one week early and ad-free, as well as exclusive bonus content from all of our shows. There's discounts on merch, tickets to our live events, and so much more. This is a limited-time offer, and it's a pretty great deal that helps support our journalism. Just go to canadaland.com join or click the link in your show notes to become a supporter today. this is what it looks like. The NDP, once Canada's trailing third party, is ahead in this campaign. And the Conservatives, that is Canada's governing party, are just slightly behind. The Liberals, which once showed so much promise, are trailing both. This election is tight. It's a horse race. It's going to be closer than... You know what? I can't do this, man. I don't believe what the polls are saying right now. I don't believe it's accurate. I don't even believe it's relevant at this point in the race. You might not like these polls, but they are going to be everywhere between now and the election because people rely on this for their info about who they want to vote for. So I think we need to know when a poll should be paid attention to and why, and when maybe we can take it with a grain of salt. Absolutely. And in this episode, we're going to talk to some of the people behind the numbers. And then we can start to figure out how, if at all, polls are useful. Survey says... (laughs) Let's get into it. I'm Andre Demise. And I'm Desmond Cole. And this is Canada Land Commons. This episode of Canada Land Commons is brought to you by Audible, the world's largest online audiobook service. One book that listeners of Canada Land Commons might like is How to Win an Election by Quintus Tullius Cicero. This book is actually over 2,000 years old, but the messages contained in it about electioneering, smearing your opponent, surrounding yourself with rabid supporters, all of those things still hold true today. It's a short but excellent read about political strategy and elections. You can read this book or any other in Audible's 180,000 volume library for free with a 30-day membership. Just visit audibletrial.com slash CanadaLand to get started. Before we begin, something I want to get off my chest real quick, just to clear the air. I've gotten some tweets and emails. Some people were asking, why don't you disclose some of the party affiliations you have? And it's a fair question. I personally don't have a party affiliation, and I haven't for many years. Although years ago, I was a member of the federal NDP party. I am pretty sure I'm still a member of the Liberal Party. I'm not sure whether or not my membership has lapsed. I don't make any secrets out of that. I've already said before on this show that I am a Liberal member. I consider myself a Liberal. But I don't really consider objectivity something that I'm chasing for on this show. I will fully come out and say, yes, I'm a progressive person. Yes, I have left-wing leanings. And yeah, I do support the Liberal Party. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to hold their feet to the fire when necessary. We do do our best on this program, not only to put forward our ideas and views, 
but to bring in other people's views into the conversation. And we always appreciate yours. Absolutely. I'm not here to try and promote an agenda. What I'm here to do is to educate our listeners. Fair play. Let's meet our guests. So we have Kyla Ronell and Fetch, who works with the Gandalf Group. And David Coletto is the CEO of Abacus Data. Welcome to Canada Land Commons. Thanks for having me. Yep, thanks. So to start us off, I mean, you guys have to have some good jokes about pollsters, right? Well, uh, you know, others have referred to us as uh, as hucksters selling some snake oil, so... Oh, come on. I can do you one better than that. Kyla, I mean, you work for a company called the Gandalf Group, so here's mine. Are you now, or have you ever fought a Nazgul atop Minas Tirith? Every day, I feel like that's what we do. <laughs> A more serious question, perhaps, for both of you. Have either of your uh, firms in the past, or are they now, working with any of our political parties? I wouldn't be able to say who we are or are not working with currently, but I think it's a matter of public record that we have done work in the past for um, the Ontario Liberal Party. And in the past, my co-workers have been very involved in Paul Martin's campaigns. Okay, and how about you, David? Uh, we don't do any uh, formal political work. We've worked on uh, one or t- a few municipal campaigns, but we, uh, we don't do any partisan work specifically. So what is the actual use of political polls? What's the utility here? I think that there's a number of uses. The listeners would probably be most familiar with what we would call horse race polls. It's what you would see in the media. So when you pick up the paper in the morning and you see that the liberals are polling at a certain percent and the conservatives are at another, we certainly would use those on the party side as well, but definitely would get a little bit more or much more in depth in terms of why opinion is changing the way it is, where vote intention is changing by region. Also, we would be looking at support levels for different policies. We would do message testing. It's much more uh, robust than what you would typically see in the media. Why do you think this kind of horse race polling is so popular? Why is that the kind of media polling that we hear so much about? Everyone likes a race. Everyone likes to know who's ahead and who's down. And from the media's perspective, it also helps them understand where the campaign's going. You know, I always say, imagine a, an election campaign, a modern election campaign in which there was not one single publicly available poll. And then try to think about how a journalist or a pundit or a columnist covers that election without any sense of where it's going, right? So imagine the 2011 federal election halfway through the campaign. You know, we know from public polling that the NDP spiked in Quebec. They started to grow across the rest of the country. If we did not have public polling, how would the media have covered that? How would have Canadians reacted? So I think the horse race is so important because it does influence how the, the, the election itself is covered and the narrative that sort of the media, broadly speaking, the media consensus sort of develops as the campaign moves on. Kyla, jump in here. Do you think that that's a problem? Do you think that the media following who's up and who's down is having a too big of an influence on the way we watch the election? I think that it can to a certain extent if the dominant story of the day is more so about covering the horse race numbers rather than covering the elements of a campaign that actually change opinion. So things like policy plank reveals or anything that happened on the road, if that is secondary to what the polls say, then I think that the media is at times not doing the electric justice. And, and I come at it just as, as from a, an information perspective, that the, the public polling, I mean, the criticism of, of the horse race and, and public polls in the last few years has been 
partly around the, the, the number of them, but also around questions around their accuracy. And we can talk about that in a minute. But if we assume that they are relatively accurate, and I think that, that generally speaking they are, then it's just one more piece of information that voters have to make an informed choice about which party they want to support. Well, you kind of lead me into my next question. And that's a matter of what the accuracy of polling is. I mean, I'm in Ontario, and in the uh, the last Ontario election, the polls seem to be all over the place, but some of them forecast a conservative minority, some of them forecast a liberal minority. What ended up happening was the, the liberals blew the other parties out of the water. So how accurate are polls in telling who's in the lead, and how does that reflect to the actual voting day? I'll pick up on something you said, which is the polls forecasted, and I think that it's really important to understand that polls are incapable of forecasting. Polls give you a sense of what is happening in a specific period of time. When a publicly available poll is released, they will tell you when the data was collected. The public is less and less aligned than we have ever seen. What I mean by that is, in the past, people would identify with being a conservative or being a liberal or a new Democrat. And now people are really looking to the very last days of the campaign to make their decisions. So if you aren't polling up until the last day of the campaign period, then you really don't get a sense of how people will actually cast their ballot. Well, that is true. But, uh, you know, when we when we see a poll released, what I continuously hear, at least in the media, is if the election were held today, this would happen, like this party would win. But I think for voters in general, we look at that as, well, given the momentum that the parties are currently on, we can expect that X party will win. Well, that, no, but that's not always the case. I mean, we, we saw we, we were active polling in Alberta in the 2012 election in which every single poll, regardless of how it was done, whether it was done online or by telephone, said that the Wild Rose Party was going to win that provincial election. And a few days later, well, the complete opposite happened. I think one of the challenges that our industry faces is that you do have some players who do predict, who say, this is the number of seats that the party is going to win based on this poll. And as a result, you build expectations about how accurate polls can actually be. But we know fundamentally that the science suggests there's going to be some error built in. We, we almost have, we've built this expectation in part because of the media, in part because the pollsters uh, encourage this thinking. And thirdly, now we've seen the growth of these seat projections like 308.com, whose models require perfection for them to work properly. And so this, this, these really incredibly high expectations have been set for pollsters, which, which are unrealistic. All the horse race polls mean absolutely nothing right now to how the final election is going to turn out, partly because nobody's really paying attention and partly because we have two, I think, critical days or weekends you know, the two long weekends, less so for Labor Day, but Thanksgiving Day weekend in Canada is likely going to be the day that most people start really crystallizing their thoughts around the election. Wow. Well, I'm going to remember that when we start having angry conversations over the table over the first long weekend and say, guys, none of this matters. We just got to wait. Let's fight in. Let's fight at fight Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's good. <laughs> now, you've both mentioned accuracy in polling. There's a rumor out there that you hear all the time that pollsters only call people with landlines. And so their results don't really reflect the public because they're only talking to a certain kind of Canadian. It's certainly not true for our company. I wouldn't be able to speak for the industry at large. I know much of the industry has moved towards polling online for a number of different reasons, which I'm sure David can speak to. But yeah, there would definitely be a inherent bias if you are exclusively using phone methodology and only speaking to landline phones. Most pollsters, I think, at the national level or the, if you're doing a province-wide, you can introduce cell phones 
into your sample. It's a little more expensive, but I think most pollsters that are doing publicly released polls by telephone are including cell phones in their sample. At least they're saying they are. The problem becomes when you get into these riding level surveys. So if you want to do a survey of, for example, Toronto Centre. Another example would be Vancouver Granville in downtown Montreal. You know, you, you look at all the major urban centres across the country. The problem with local polls and using cell phones is that you can't geographically target a cell phone, right? So if you live in the Toronto area, your cell phone might start with 647, but you could live in Mississauga. You could live in York Region or you could live in downtown Toronto. We don't know. Whereas with landlines, you can target them because of the first three digits. Yeah, and that's got to be a bit of a challenge, especially considering the population density in those writings. They're very important and very, very dense writings. Another question I have for you is, who actually commissions these polls? I mean, we see the uh, the polling results come out and we see it on, on TV and in the paper, but who's behind the polls actually being commissioned in the first place? Well, for the ones that you're reading in the media, there's three types. There's the ones that um, the media organizations are commissioning with their polling partner. Didn't you do uh, polling for Sun News a little while back? Yeah, we were the pollster for Sun News. So in my case, you know, despite what people know about their editorial uh, bent, we never actually had much uh, influence from them. So the only time that a media outlet will influence, I think, the content of the survey is not in how the question's asked or even in how it's interpreted, although the journalists and those writing the stories can interpret poll results very differently. It's in the actual content, the, the, the topics. So Sun News and their viewers were far more interested in certain topics than those that listen to CBC Radio, for example. The other type of commission polls, obviously, by external organizations. And, you know, the, the standard in our industry is that if somebody's paying for that poll, you have to disclose who's paying for it, right? The third type of poll is, the, is, is where we are now as, a, as an organization is we just release polls really as marketing for, for our company. So what are some of your pet peeves with the way the media interprets the polls? Well, one of my number one pet peeves is, and this is not one media outlet specific, but broadly is how certain journalists often are in terms of interpreting the results. That if a poll says 58% of Canadians think this, then that is the be all and end all. And Kyla, what are some of your, of your thoughts? I agree with David in terms of polls being discussed in absolute terms, but at the same time, polling companies will release certain data points. And I often times find that other underliers or other things that are of interest maybe don't make it into the poll, partially because polling companies only have a certain amount of budget that they would allocate to asking questions. Um, so they would maybe ask just a handful rather than kind of the broad spectrum that we would do for a party. So oftentimes I find that the narrative created from these polls maybe don't tell the whole story. What are the other things that we might miss out on when we focus so much on the horse race? I'd be more interested in knowing, first of all, not who people say they're going to vote for or would vote for if the election were today, but one, how closely are people following the election? Two, are the parties yet engaged? Are they contacting voters? So at what level is their engagement, right? Because we can only really trust the horse race number if there's a higher level of engagement with, with voters, that they've actually had a chance to start thinking about the election and making up their mind. Um, we're doing a survey right now that shows upwards of, you know, half of the electorate says that they don't plan to make up their mind 
until about three or four weeks before the election. I would add that we could use a lot more open-ended questions in publicly available polling. I think that we can only be as smart as the questions that we ask. So oftentimes we are getting people to respond to what we think is already the dominant narrative, I guess, of the campaign. If you ask open-ended questions, so for example, a question that would ask people, what are the top two issues that are important to making their decision on how they will vote? You might get different responses than you would normally expect uh, than if the pollster put the issues directly to them. Kyla, when you open up the newspaper, I'm sure you look at a poll differently than the average person does out there. So what are your tips for how to look at a poll with a discerning eye? I look at two very separate things. So I would look at the methodology and then also from there the analysis um, and just what the raw numbers say to me. So on the methodology side, I would be immediately looking for sample size, dates it was fielded, what method they used to collect the data. So if it's by phone, if it's online, if it's using um, IVR, which would be the robocall. Are there particular methodologies where you look at the poll and you're like, uh, like that can't be accurate. I mean, the, the methodology itself was wrong. I think it depends on where they're trying to draw conclusions. So as David mentioned, it's really difficult in really small writings to know exactly where someone is, where they actually live. But for the most part, I wouldn't completely discount based on methodology. I think that all three of the methods that I mentioned can be accurate. Yeah. So it's a matter of like right tool for the right job. They all can be accurate, but IVR is the hardest to get accurate because it's a, it's a usually a, a robot calling your house. Um, we already see response rate incredibly low for live interviewers conducting the survey when it's a robot and a recorded voice or a, a computerized voice asking the questions we see tiny response rates and so it becomes very difficult if you look at the raw numbers that some of the ivr pollsters release right they have an incredibly difficult time interviewing anyone under the age of 45 basically in part because they may not be including cell phones secondly even if you include cell phones i tell everyone i i don't answer my phone unless I know who's calling. I mean, there was a poll done earlier uh, this campaign by Form Research that showed the NDP well ahead. It was, it was also kind of an outlier in that it, it went against conventional wisdom that the, all the other polls were saying. And when you look at, so when I open that newspaper article in the Toronto Star and I say, okay, what am I looking for first? Again, as a pollster, I'm going to methodology, as, as Kyla said, but I'm looking at the date. When was this survey done? And that survey was done completely on a Sunday. So who's likely to be home on Sunday mornings? Who's likely to even like wake up? Right. And, and, if, and if certain people did wake up, they might be at church and they're not voting NDP, right? They're voting conservative. <laughs> if we call Saturday night in the middle of the winter, um, it's hockey night in Canada. That's not a great time to call people generally, but certain people are probably more likely to answer that phone and answer our survey than others because it's Saturday night. And it's the boring stuff about polling, but it's the stuff that matters so much to getting it right and to being accurate and to actually representing what, what's out there is, is how these surveys are done and when they're done. I have a little bit of a simpler question for either of you. I don't know if you can answer it. How do you get my phone number when you want to call me and do a poll? <laughs> well, there's, there's two ways. One is, and probably your, na your phone number is not listed on uh, any listed phone numbers. You can, you can get sample from a listed from listed numbers. Two, in the more expensive way and the more correct way, is you basically buy a sample that's randomly been generated. So you may hear the term random digit dialed, 
which means you either have a pollster who's randomly calling phone numbers or you're buying sample that's been pre-randomly generated and tested to make sure that, that the line is active. You probably have to make, you know, a uh, hundred calls before you're getting maybe five completed interviews. Wow. Holy smokes. Yeah. Okay. Another question I have for you. Right now, we're seeing polls that are showing the uh, three parties almost neck and neck. A Leger poll was released just this past weekend. Um, it shows the NDP in the lead, but then the Conservatives and the Liberals not very far behind. Now, what do you say to this as professional pollsters and how seriously do you take it? I think our polling matches up with that level of, of competition. First, it's unprecedented to have three parties you know, within five points of each other. Our polls that were done in, in, in July, we saw similar things in, in earlier this summer. So this has been a trend for me that's been going on for quite some time in our polling. We have said at, at Abacus that we believe at this point any of the three parties could win the election and any of the three parties could come third. That's how close and volatile things are. I would just add that that same Leger poll also did report the geographic differences in uh, vote intention. And so what you saw in Ontario was a dead heat with each party polling at around 30. And so that's something that I definitely looked at with, with interest, but also explains a lot of the story that perhaps isn't being told when you just show Canada-wide numbers. So you would hear typically uh, there being an NDP lead, but a lot of that is uh, influenced by how well the NDP are polling in Quebec currently. Now to end off, I know you guys aren't the ones that do the calling itself, but doing this kind of work, you both must have heard some pretty interesting stories of all these people being called on the telephone and some of the responses. Do you want to share any of that with us? Since most of our research is done online uh, as opposed to telephone, I don't have uh, a whole lot of funny stories, although I have heard some of the call centers we've used talk about they're on the phone for, for an hour just because, you know, they, they've happened upon somebody who's looking for a chat and maybe he's a little bit lonely. But we, we, online, you do also see some, some really funny stuff when we ask an open-ended question online. So, for example, we might ask, uh, this usually happens particularly when, we, when we're trying to measure awareness or knowledge of about particular things. And so once we were doing a survey, we asked a question like, what year was the Constitution repatriated? And inevitably, online, what we find is that a handful of people, more than just, you know, a random occurrence of people are actually copy pasting Wikipedia entries directly into those open boxes. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, speaking about open-ended, a lot of the times we'll ask somebody, what's one word that comes to mind when you think of Stephen Harper? And I would say about 10% of the responses we get, I can't repeat on air or in any of the reports. <laughs> oh, boy. And uh, have you done any polling on Mulcair's beard? It's funny because, again, when you ask the question, you know, what do you think of Mulcair? What's one word? We, we get quite a few people saying beard. <laughs> what about Justin Trudeau? Do you get, like, hair or what? Yeah, we, we do get good hair. And I think, you know, increasingly it's because the conservatives in their attack ad where, you know, they, they question his ability to lead, whether, you know, he's just not ready. But at the end of one of those ads, you had one of the, the interviewers around the table saying, you know, but nice hair, though. I would just add that the forgotten element of public opinion research is that all the parties also do extensive focus group testing. That's where a lot of the color comes out and where what the parties would use in their ads are oftentimes verbatims of what they would have heard from a participant in a focus group. It's when you really get 
the exact language that you need to uh, resonate with people. The change in strategy that the conservatives did in changing from he's in over his head and then how that changed is he's just not ready, which if you think about it, by definition, it means that someday he would be. It just speaks to how different Justin Trudeau was thought of in people's minds where they like him, but maybe had questions within the present. And so for the conservative party to say he's just not ready, I found was a very fascinating change in strategy, which just shows how much they're in tune to what people are actually you know, saying, I would say. And, and this goes to show you that, you know, what we might think in the parliamentary press gallery, the pollsters, the pundit class, It's just an example for us not to get into the weeds and not to imagine that every Canadian is is watching, you know, every political show that's out there, reading every political column, that in fact, things like nice hair, oh, his beard. And in the case of Stephen Harper, you know, I just don't like the guy. He's kind of a a jackass kind of thing (laughs) is a powerful message when people are ultimately deciding how to vote. All right, so that's it for this week. Thanks once again to our guests. We really do appreciate when people can take such complicated concepts and boil them down into terms that we can understand. I do also want to give an update. So Imogen Burchard, our producer, she's on vacation this week. And by the way, our awesome former producer, Andrew, stepped in to uh, fill those huge shoes. And here's the thing. Imogen still got updates for our federal leaders for us, even though she's on vacation. Desmond, what happened? Imogen called me and told me that she had just run into Tom Mulcair at the airport. And she actually asked him if he was going to be coming on our show and reminded him that we've been trying to get in touch, which is awesome. So just to update you guys, Justin Trudeau and Tom Mulcair's teams have both informed us that they're considering our requests. I don't know if that ultimately means we will get them on this program. We're still trying to get them to commit to a time and a place. So Commons listeners, please keep pushing these leaders and ask them when they're going to be on this program that includes Prime Minister Stephen Harper. Keep those tweets and emails coming because they are listening. And, and here's the thing. I'm, you know, I'm very unapologetic about saying this. Our listeners are young. They're engaged. They're educated. And you couldn't ask for a better opportunity to get through, especially to young voters, especially to people who might have been jaded and disaffected from the political conversation. Coming onto this program and speaking directly to those voters, I think would do a lot to help re-engage some people who are just beyond the rabid base. I agree with you, Andre. So keep that pressure on. And if you happen to run into a leader at the airport, tell them that they need to come on this program. Music credit this week, as always, to Nathan Burley. If you'd like to continue the conversation, find us on Twitter. You can search Canada Land Commons. It'll be the first search result you find. You can also visit the Canada Land website at canadalandshow.com. If you'd like to contact us by email, send a message to andre at canadalandshow.com and desmond at canadalandshow.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And when you do that, please give us a review. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your classmates. I'm just going to step in real quick and add another thing here. So on iTunes, Jesse Brown's show, Canada Land, has about twice as many reviews as our show has. I want to do something about that. Jesse, you're cool, but we can't let this stand. We like you and everything, but dude, we're, just, we're trying to step in and whoop that ass. So for our listeners, 
please give us those reviews. We want to make sure that we beat the amount of reviews on iTunes that Canada Land has. No, no, beat them. That's not good enough. Jesse has like twice as many reviews as we do right now. I want to have twice as many reviews as Canada Land. Oh, throwing down that gauntlet, bro. Yeah. That was the white glove <laughs> in your face, Jesse. We have the best listeners in the country and we want to hear from you. If it means you got to steal the cell phone out of your boyfriend's hand and give us a review on his phone too, go ahead and do that. Alternately, if you'd like to give us some cash, you can do that by logging on to patreon.com slash Canada Land. There's no shortcuts episode this week. Canada Land will be back on Monday and the next episode of Canada Land Commons is back on Tuesday. Peace out. Get your poles, yeah? (laughs) This episode is brought to you in part by the Douglas Mattress. Now, I've said it before and I'll say it again. One of the best, and I mean the best things you can do for yourself, is to get a good quality mattress. The time is now, people. Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress protector, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That's douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. So we've been making comments for five years now. It's over 100 episodes and counting. And our plan? Well, it's to keep making more seasons, even more episodes. And when I say we, I don't just mean the Commons team. I'm including you, our listeners and supporters. We can't make this show without you. We can't keep bringing you exceptional reporting every week without your support. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to become a Canada Land supporter. So, from now until the end of May, we have a special deal for our listeners. Sign up now for just $2 a month for the next six months. You'll get access to all the episodes of Commons one week early and ad-free, as well as exclusive bonus content from all of our shows. There's discounts on merch, tickets to our live events, and so much more. This is a limited-time offer, and it's a pretty great deal that helps support our journalism. Just go to CanadaLand.com slash join or click the link in your show notes to become a supporter today.